Hello, and welcome to Season 1, Episode 5 of the We Are Speaking Podcast. During each weekly 30-minute episode, we address some of our favorite topics, including American history and culture, government, education, and politics from a Black perspective. We are very glad you're joining us today. The podcast is brought to you by our company, the Team Owens 313 Global Creative Community. We offer branding and marketing services, including online training and one-on-one business coaching to independent writers, creative and solo professionals, and very small business owners. You can find out more at our website, teamowens313gcc.com. As a free or paid subscriber to the We Are Speaking publication, you can access the podcast episodes through the website or on your favorite podcast player. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. My name is Pamela Hilliard-Owens, and I am the one of the co-hosts of We Are Speaking, in partnership with my husband and business partner, Keith Owens, who also wrote and pre- performed the intro and outro music for the podcast. And speaking of Keith, here he is. Hi, Keith. Hey, good to be here. This week, we are discussing what has been in the news all of this week. Of course, Ukraine has been in the news, but um, here in the United States, the number one government and political news has been the confirmation hearings in the United States Senate for Judge Katanji Brown Jackson, who is has was nominated a, a few weeks ago by President Joe Biden to fill the seat of the retiring retiring judge justice. I don't know why it's, <laughs> I don't know why it's on the that not on the tip of my tongue, and I should have had it written down. But anyway, he 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 announced that he was retiring, and after a year of everybody trying to say, "Will you retire while Biden is president?" and he did announce that he was retiring at the end of this Supreme Court season, and so that gave Joe Biden the opportunity to look it up while while I'm talking, (laughs) the opportunity to nominate a Supreme Court nominee. Now, Judge Jackson, when she becomes a a, a Supreme Court justice, that will not change the political or the the numbers because it'll still be a six to three. Stephen Stephen Breyer. I knew it was a B. Justice Stephen Breyer, who who she clerked for, as a matter of fact. But it'll still be a six to three majority for the Republicans. But it will, of course, be the first ever black woman on the Supreme Court and the first after Thurgood Marshall, public de- the second public defender who actually had experience as, as, as a defense attorney mm-hmm. on the um, Supreme Court. Most people, most of the lawyers there were prosecutors. And so she was on the defense side, which brings a whole nother perspective to things that go on in front of the Supreme Court. Now, Keith, what do you, what do you think about, um, her, first of all, her nomination? Of course, the nomination is all the obvious things that are historic. I mean, a black woman appointed to the court, and that's historic. It's a wonderful thing to see. Of course, everybody's speaking, well, not everybody, but a lot of progressives, at least, have paid attention to Cory Booker's remarks in terms of in praise of what her nomination means you know, to what should mean to all Americans and what it obviously means to black Americans. I think it's also uh, significant that uh, President Biden, this was something that President Biden said that he was going to do and and it's a promise that he was a, that he was able to keep and i think this, i'm so that's that's a very positive thing so i think there's there's a lot of great things about this and i think the if if there's any 
unfortunate thing, obviously, in terms of the way she's being treated by the Republican senators who are grilling her. Also, though, right now, it still doesn't change the real makeup of the court yet. And that's the unfortunate thing to have some, here we have somebody with that with that level of credentials, that level of qualifications, I should say. And and the other more moderate members of the court are very qualified people and, and they have on her end. But at the same time, her she's relatively young. Mm-hmm. You know, and so she's just fifty-one. She'll fifty-one, so she'll be there for a long time. So hopefully, she'll, her her impact will be felt long. Unfortunately, unfortunately, some of the other ones are younger too. But but we'll you know, see how that progresses. But I, I'm glad that I'm very glad that she's there. It's, it's a great thing to see. Exactly. Now I watched the majority of the confirmation hearing starting on Monday with the, all the speeches, and then the actual quest- questioning on. Tuesday and Wednesday. By Wednesday, though, I had to turn off some of it because what the Republicans were doing was so horrible. Uh, first of all, they kept talking about how uh, the Democrats treated Brett Kavanaugh four years ago. What does that have to do with her confirmation? She wasn't there. She didn't do any of it. And the, also the big difference is Brett Kavanaugh was credibly accused of sexual assault when he was a teenager. Not, not only, there, there was documentation. He was, a, he was a college student. He was he a college was, student. He was still a teen, but I just want to make sure people understand that, which doesn't, I'm not saying that just about anything, but people know that this was happening while he was at Yale. Right, yeah. right. He was at Yale as a college student, but he was still a teenager. I think he was like 19. Oh yeah. The only point I was making was that, that this was a man who was close enough to grown. Right. You know, that's you know, true. You know, not that you, you think that you would want to excuse a young child doing this, you know, but the thing, but here's somebody at that age who is who was accused of this is a very, very serious. Right, right, right. And there were witnesses. Right. And we know what, what, what the Republicans did to the woman who, who actually had the, the uh, strength to show up and, and testify. And so to compare the two of those, oh, to compare the two of those and say the Democrats were mean to him, which is essentially what they're saying. So we're going to turn around and be mean to her. There's, there's no even comparison, number one. Number two, that's very childish. You were mean to me, so I'm going to be mean to you. I know no comparison whatsoever. And then it is the, t- and oh, the other thing is that when, when he was sitting in the same chair where Judge Jackson was sitting while he was answering questions, he just blew up. He just, he got mad. He got, you could see it in his face. He got mad and upset. Our Judge Jackson didn't have, didn't have that. She didn't have that opportunity. If a black woman or a black man gets upset, oh, there's the angry black woman. There's the angry black man. She didn't have that opportunity to be mad. And it is, and it, and it's kind of funny because those people who were following her were saying, if that was me sitting in that chair, <laughs> there was no way I would be that calm, cool and collected. But they were also saying what it showed is what black women in all their workplaces, you don't have to be as high level as she is, have to go through with their white colleagues. White, white people are always, when I say white people, I don't mean all white people, but black women are, are very often subjected to the same thing. We don't believe you. You're not good enough, blah, 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 blah. And what I wanted to read, what the sort of start, starting out with what Cory Booker said, Senator Cory Booker said, he started out with part of a poem by Langston Hughes that was written in 1936. And it says, oh, let America be America again, the land that never has been yet and yet must be, the land where every man is free. And so he started out with that poem because we're supposed to be equality. And of course, we never have been. And the way that she was treated to... What the way she was treated was by the Republicans were that was that was they wanted to make uh, sound bites. 
that they're going to use in their campaign later on. But also the fact that they were going to try to pin her as what they try to pin all black people, soft on crime, all about race and critical race theory and things like that, that she had not absolutely nothing to do with. They pulled out, oh, oh, that she believed in the 1619 Project, all of these things that are, that is red meat to their base. Okay. And they tried to pin all of that on her. And she kept saying, that has nothing to do with what I do as a judge. You know, and I think that's the that's the thing. I mean, is that the the real issue here is just when you talked about that this is red meat for their base because with the Republicans, that's all they're thinking about. Right. I mean, so it has nothing to do. Um, what she's saying is absolutely right, but it's also obvious as to why that's the case. The only reason why they're bringing these things up is not even because they believe them. They don't. They don't believe it themselves. They know what they're saying is a lie. They know that their accusations. Our lives, but the point of it is that they are they need to say these things to satisfy their base, I and mean, because the Republican Party is not is really not is the Republican Party in name only now. It has become something totally different, totally unrecognizable to most mainstream Republicans. I mean, so it's it, it's called Republican Party, but it's not really Republican Party anymore. We discussed this, I believe, last week when um, when once the entire party goes to the convention, says we don't even have any planks, and I believe well, oh, we're just whatever Trump says. That's what we are. And so when she began, when she's making her defense, and it's also, it's not that she didn't have the opportunity to be angry. She had plenty of opportunity. It's that she didn't have the leeway. Right. You know, is, is that because she knew if she blew up. But it's also important to point out, because as you said, Brett Kavanaugh was, was credibly accused of sexual harassment. And Clarence Thomas was even more right. credibly accused. And so now we have two Republican, two Republican appointed. Uh, Supreme Court justices who went through extremely contentious confirmation, confirmation hearings, hearings, you know, for that for that reason. And, and what Republicans bring up, which is funny, particularly McConnell, mm -hmm. when he talked about he talks about Thomas, well, because they all think that Thomas was so mistreated, and then they think, but they all the real thing that got them upset was 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 Bork, right? Just Bork, Robert Bork, and they and they believe that he because they lost, they they got Thomas and they got Kavanaugh, Kavanaugh, they got Thomas, but they didn't get Bork. And the and thing they, about they, and, and and it wasn't he after all of his hearings. Oh, oh, he got, only got 48 votes. Right. And so he didn't even get enough votes. And so they're mad that he didn't get enough votes. It had nothing to do with his confirmation, confirmation here. Anything right, he right. didn't get enough votes, period. And, of course, they turn around and blame that on the Democrats. That's exactly it. They, they, they try to make that like somehow that he was unjustly treated, and he was not. And he, he was, was even extreme. more extreme than, 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 than the— Oh, yeah, mm -hmm. far more extreme. And, you know, and, but, he was given, but at least he was given the courtesy of a hearing right. and, and to say what he thought, and then he was trying, and he was fine. He, was, he couldn't get enough votes. They brought it up. That, that was it. And that means they had to—he got the hearing. Then from the right. hearing, it goes to be voted on by the committee, right. and the committee sends it to the whole Senate, and so. But, 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 mm -hmm. the, the, the difference, the he was brought, so he got the curse of a hearing. But then look what happened with with President Obama's pick, right? Garland, and and this is the same thing that Mitch brought up again when they when people were complaining about what he had done, or progressives and Democrats were saying he didn't even allow Obama's personal choice to come up. He started screaming about about Bork. He was screaming about Bork over and over again. And the th and the thing that's so upsetting about that is that Bork got a hearing. <coughs> Bork got a hearing. Right. You would not even let Bork get. You would not. You not. You would not even let Bork get. Uh, to, on the floor, you, you, I'm not sorry, Bork. You would not even let Mary Garland come to the floor. Not, not, not even that. The be, before you even, after you're nominated, before you even get to your hearings, you have meetings with all of the senators on the Judiciary Committee. And, and he did not even allow that. Did right. not even allow the initial 
meetings. So he cut the, set a whole year, more than a year before the elections. He said, oh, it's too close to the election for that to happen. And yet he turned around and not only did he do the nuclear option, meaning he changed the number needed for confirmation of, of for the vote for Supreme Court justice down to a simple majority, but he also did it. I put Amy Coney Barrett while the election was going on, not, you know, not when the early voting was going on, not to mention like two weeks before the actual election day. So the hypocrisy for just power grabbing is the thing that is um, so upsetting. But then going back to her actual qualifications, before she was chosen, there were several, when I say several, well, there were a lot of black women, and then it was kind of narrowed down to the final four. And one of the final four was uh, a judge from South Carolina. And she, so she and Sherilyn Ifill, who's, she's not, she's retiring now, but a president of the NAACP Legal Defense Fund, and then another judge from California. So that's one, two. So that was a four. And Angie Brown Jackson was the one who was chosen. And I think one, besides all of her qualifications, one of the other reasons she was chosen is because she was just last year voted by these same Republicans to go on to the district appeals court, the federal district appeals court in Washington, D.C. And that is like, a, that is considered unofficially to be a, a jumping point to the Supreme Court. So she was already there. She had already been approved by the Senate three times, including once just last year. And so besides all of her qualifications. And so speaking of her qualifications, if you, if you did, if you missed it, you need to go back and listen to her story of when she got to Harvard. She said she came up through the public schools in Miami and she had never really thought about college like Harvard. She knew she was going to college, but she never thought about a college like Harvard until she went there on a school trip with her debate team. And then she, so, so then she, of course she, so then of course she was admitted to Harvard. And when she got there, she said she was kind of feeling kind of lost. And first of all, she was a long way from home. She said, I'm from Florida. It's cold in Boston. <laughs> and so and she was homesick, but she was just walking down in, in the yard, you know, walking through the, through the campus by herself. And another black woman was coming the other way. They did not know each other. But Judge Jackson had this look on her face and the black woman coming towards her, walking the other way, knew what that look meant. Right. Without them saying a word. And all the woman, she doesn't even know who the woman is. All the woman did was lean over and told her, persevere. And kept on walking. And she said she never, ever forgot that. And that is the power of the shared experiences of black people, number one. Because Katanji didn't say anything to this woman. She didn't even know. They were just passing each other on the sidewalk. And so, But she could read it on her face. And because being how difficult it is to be one of the few black people in a white space. That's the other thing, Katanji Brown. She said, when I got there, I didn't realize how white it was <laughs> until she got there. And so all black people who find themselves in a primarily white space go through this. And so she, and so if you have a chance, find that clip of that story that she told. Man, I think that's, that's really important when she speaks about that, because that's something that all white people, in this case, I will say, I will say all white people mm-hmm. can, cannot relate to. Right. You know, which is that I mean, you can relate to being poor and being you know, oppressed in various circumstances, a number of things, but being black in a white space, you know, is not even the same as I would say as being white in all black space. Right. It's not the same. Right. Because you're still a member of the racist in charge. Right. Exactly. You know exactly. I mean? But when you're white, in, when you're black, and, and I can relate because I, I come from that, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, I grew up 
and you know, you know, Denver, Colorado, and many number of times, I was the only black kid in the classroom. I was the only black kid on the tennis court. I was the only black kid in the, in the ski slope. I was the only black kid in, in, in any number of, mm-hmm, of situations. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And 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 with everyone, we're all recounting the entire story. But there were several instances uh, where my parents had to step in, right? Because the, because the person got started where teachers felt like they had license, right, you know, or others. Felt like they had license to treat me in a certain way, or to just assume that I was I did not belong mm-hmm. in that space. And one, I remember one of the most frustrating things that to my mother. I didn't know how painful that was to her until later that I was old enough to understand. Mm-hmm. When she had to convince me that I was because I, I used to I would come home because my the teacher was telling me I was just average, right? And I came when mom was trying to teach me something because she would always work with my studies when I got home, and she was saying, and I was telling her I'm just an average kid in the average school. And she's like, where did you get this from? Mm-hmm, you know, and mm-hmm. I said, so Mr. So-and-so. And so mom had to go to battle with her. But she had to come because, once again, they don't want you to succeed. And so with with with, with Ms. Katanji Brown is going through, and I have a bit of that you know, rare air in terms of her achievements. But in terms of that experience, mm-hmm. you know, and, I, and you can imagine what she when you uh, is, is up against. But at the same time, it's like what I think many of us in the African-American community call, it's a sense of bilingualism. Right, exactly. You know, you, know, you have to know. You have to know how to speak with your own people, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. you have to know how to speak with the broader community. Mm-hmm. And there, and they are two distinct language, cultural field difference. You know, because if you're a black person who is uncomfortable around other black people, mm-hmm. just regular everyday black people, that's a problem. Right. If you're a black person who cannot handle mm-hmm. being around white people, that is that is the problem because that limits your opportunity. Right, so, right. And it's it's just an amount of skills and a level of skills that but other people simply cannot appreciate and, mm-hmm. she, and she's just so incredibly qualified at so many levels and that's the other reason why republicans acted so badly besides the fact they were doing it for the cameras is that there was nothing else to, to attack her on right. nothing she is so qualified she is more qualified than all of the uh, present supreme court justices anyway there's you know she is so qualified number one an, an overly qualified black woman strong black woman makes them nervous in the first place number two they want to know you know, they always tried to call it affirmative action. Okay. Why her? Why not a white man? And that's exactly what's going through their mind. Exactly. And so they are attacking her like that because they know she's the most qualified and they can't deal with it. But I, in the time we have, we don't, we don't have that much time left, but I want to read something a black man wrote on Facebook okay. as he was watching this. Okay. And he says, Katanji Brown Jackson's father has sat within arm's reach of his daughter and listened to his intelligent, accomplished, and articulate daughter be belittled, disrespected, demeaned, and absolutely picked apart. Quote, within arm's reach but unable to protect her, end of quote, is the very place every father of daughters prays he never has to sit in. But as I watch her unwavering, unbothered, calculated, and still standing, it speaks directly to his demeanor, just a few seats over. He hasn't moved. He hasn't flinched. He hasn't changed his expression. He knows how strong she is because he knows how strong he raised her to be. My prayer is that when my daughters reach the cusp of their destiny, may I be strong enough to trust their strength, close enough to witness their greatness, and humble enough to give God praise. That, that brought tears well, to my a, eyes. And I think that the importance of that and the strength of that is also because so many times, because our parents and the generation they came from, in a way, and, and this is probably maybe not be the best way to explain it, but... Like your father, denied an opportunity he had every right to have. Right, exactly. You know, I mean, every right. So in a sense, their children are their, are their tri- prized 
possession, but it's also their revenge. Right, right, right. You know, and I think, and, and I think your your family, quite honestly, you, you, your father should have gone, been able to go much higher. Not that he didn't accomplish an awful lot, right? But 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 he deserved to be much higher. But and, blocked, and an earlier age, an early age, blocked you know, and, and your and your mother. Mm-hmm. And I think, but then you look at all you and all in your sisters, mm-hmm. and I mean, and and you can look at your you remember your father's face that he could he could just. Yeah, that look is like, but my daughters. Right. That's all he ever had to say. Right. <laughs> right. You know, because he could what he wasn't able to get, but the four of you. Mm-hmm. You know, and and I think it's the same thing. Like I think that's very parallel to what this man on Facebook was saying about Katanji. Right. Is that he may not get been able to get as far as God, but his daughter. Right. Is going to be on the Supreme Court. Right. Yeah, but this, and, but it's also that sense of fear that I would not, you know, understand. I'm not a you know, mother and a direct parent, but I'm mean, the fear that the fear that a parent would have of not being able to protect their child. Right. Because that's that's a serious thing when you when because parents obviously always see their children as children. Right. Mom, and right. some of them do better <laughs> letting go than others. Right. But the but it's, there's that there's that level of fear. And and when you see somebody I, I'm also glad he pointed out the way the calm not necessarily calm, but just you know stoic presence of the father. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. any to to have to listen to what some of these Republicans are saying right. to his daughter, and he's sitting there, and you think back, this is, and it's it's almost the same thing. You go back, go back to the pre-civil rights era, mm-hmm. or back further, and and parents had to witness much worse, much worse, right? You know, and and could not do, could not do anything, a thing. could mm-hmm. not say anything, and that's the most helpless feeling in the world, right? Exactly, exactly, and that and that's why there was there's such a catharsis for black people in general. For you know, going through this and seeing how she, seeing how she conducted herself, but on the other hand, people are saying, "Why does she have to do that? Why does she have to do that? Okay, why is it necessary for her to hold herself in? Why is it necessary for her to have to be at the very highest levels and higher than anybody else to get this position? There have been generations of black women qualified to be on the Supreme Court." Okay. Absolutely. And so why, you know, here, here it is two, 100 and I think there's been 115 Supreme Court justices and 108 of them were white men, That's something right. like that. Right. Um, right. and yep. the fact that that is the default is, is, is speaks to America. A white man, no matter how less qualified he is, is the default over everybody else. White women, black women, and black men. Okay, and that's what the that's what these Republicans and especially these and 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 and, and white racists. Period. That's what they're fighting against. And it's also because they are most white people are so accustomed mm-hmm. to that. Everybody's black people too. Right. Are, right. are accustomed to saying that's all you see. I had what two in all my years of school. I had two black. Teachers, mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. think maybe just one, one in college. That was it, Mr. Jim, Professor Jim Coleman. That was mm-hmm. it, and 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 it, and it doesn't even ring a bell. Right. It didn't even ring a bell to me until I got in college, right? Because right. right. you started waking up, mm-hmm. and people think. And so what they're fighting against is that it's the same thing as that. And I, I spoke with someone before about now, and so many TV shows. You so often see, you know, gay characters all the time. Right. You know, and I'm even guilty of this. I'm like, my God, every show I turn on, mm-hmm. there's another, you know, there's another home, there's a gay, there's a gay couple, gay, something like this. But, and just, but the thing that a, a friend of mine um, explained, said to me, because I was like, because I guess the point you'd be is, okay, it's, it's not even about the gay, it's about the fact that the station said it's almost like the flavor of the month. They said, right. we need to let's get a gay character in here. But, but the point is, is that 
what he told me, he says, but that's the price of multiculturalism. Right, exactly. He said, exactly. He said may not get it right all the time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, sometimes even sometimes may go over, but the point is, is that you, but that when, when we push against those gates, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know, you know, sure, we may look at it from an artistic point of view and say, okay, that may have gone too far in this life, but you don't want the other way. Right, exactly, exactly. You and know. that, because that reminds me of what somebody said, some racist white person said after the um, Super Bowl halftime show. What he saw was the most wrong with it was that there was only one white person on stage. Literally, that was his biggest complaint that there weren't enough white people on the stage. So, so it had to be terrible. And that's the one that took a knee, <laughs> right? And, and and Eminem was the one who took the knee. That's right. He certainly did. And so the fact that that we are changing the paradigm about and after all these years and centuries about who belongs. Who is supposed to be here? But on the other hand, the, on the other hand, the fact that 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 person has to be super person, right. even with Barack Obama. Now George Bush, George Bush forty three, he was he was a legacy at Yale. He was a C student. He got in be, from on the legacy thing, okay, because his parents or whatever grandparents went to went to Yale, so he automatically got in. He was a C student. He was a mediocre president, okay, and yet. Barack Obama, he got into he went to you know he went to Harvard first and was on the I was on the Harvard Review. Well, no, he, no, he was the first African president of the Harvard. He went to he went to no he went to Columbia first and then then he went to Harvard Law, and he was the first African American president of the Harvard Law Review. That's it. Because Michelle Obama went to Princeton, Princeton, and then to what was it Yale or Harvard? She got got her law degree I from. I think it was Harvard. Okay, well, either way, okay, either way. So Barack Obama had to be way above somebody else to, you know, to be even considered president, you know, presidential material. While, while mediocre white men, hey, we don't care that you're mediocre, you're white, that's good enough for us. And had a per, and had, uh, and then like I said, we do have to close this out. Right. But, but then had a flawed, no scandal. Exactly. None. Had the perfect, I mean, had the perfect looking family. Right. Two beautiful children, a beautiful wife. No, to date, no scandal. None, no, not, not one. You know, the perfect family. He had to be so perfect. It's like, how do you do that for eight years? Exactly. For under, eight years, two terms, pressure. and none of his, none of his staff, nobody that was associated with him was ever accused of anything. Uh, not, I mean, not even the minor stuff. It was amazing. So we have to close this out today, and we're going to come back to the to this again because this comes under our topics of American history and culture. Right. But it was just so groundbreaking to see and, and to watch this on a positive and a negative way. Absolutely. So we'd like to hear what you have to say. Please leave us some comments. And also don't forget to visit our website oh, for branding and marketing for independent writers and creative and solo professionals. Team, T-E-A-M, Team Owens 313 GCC.com. See you next week. <laughs>